Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. of Armoring Radio. Yeah, that's right. I'm back home. And happy to be home. Uh, not that I don't have a good time when I go, but uh, it's always fun to come home. And uh, Colleen, who traveled with me this time, uh, we got back on Saturday. So, uh, so that was good. Uh, from a pretty exciting week. Um pretty busy week in North Carolina. So um, welcome to a Monday edition of All Marine Radio. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at the news in a week. <laughs> yeah. It's, so is everything, everybody still here? Is it all still going on? So um, anyhow... Uh, I imagine it is. I imagine it is. Um, it's hot. It was like 80 yesterday here in Southern California. Yeah, so everything else might suck, but the weather's awesome. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, I, uh, after I get a little bit of sleep, and then I stayed up till 3.45 last night working on something. Um, I'm doing a little work, uh, going to do something this week with some life coaches who really, really like post-traumatic winning. So I think that's really exciting. I, I will tell you this. I don't think the world needs more therapists. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, here's, here's, here's my take on all of that. We take people that don't have mental health problems. They are, they are getting their ass kicked by life. And instead of being a coach for them, a coach, 
um, and, and in your mind's eye, when I say coach, I mean, they're called life coaches. But instead of being a coach, um, I want you to think of the best coach, the best teacher you ever had. Somebody who changed your life, right? And I'm sure you couldn't tell me what they ever taught you. But they can't, you could tell me how they cared about you, right? Because that's how it works. And how they changed your life and, and why it resonated so deeply with you. You could tell me all of that. And so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the ticket in all of this. And so, I, um, the world needs more of those people. We don't need more therapists. So, so we take people who need a firm hand on their shoulder and they need us to, to pull them closer to us and mentor them and teach them and show them a path. And what do we do? We send them to therapists. And what do they do? Well, what is the way? What is the way of America and therapy? You get medicated, right? Because you, you get told you need it. And then you get told you're broken. Blah, blah, fucking blah, man. We don't need more of that. We don't need more of that. You know? And again, this shit starts when we're young. And if you're under 40, you know, I tell everybody, I mean, you got lied to your whole life. Right? You grew up in day, daycare. I grew up with corporal punishment, Kathleen. Right? Home every day. You grew up in, in just the turbulence of life for young people today and uh, over the course of the last 35, 40 years. That's how they grow up. And uh, same people in daycare? No. Same people taking care of you every day? No. So there's turbulence there. 50% of our marriages end in divorce. Turbulence there? That's not the worst part. Three years after the divorce or separation, mom's boyfriend moves in with his two idiot kids every other week. So now with this fucking blended thing every other week, I don't like those kids. They're here. What the fuck, right? Four years later, mom unblends us. She says, tells him, you need to leave. So now I get unblended. Dad does it twice. So in my life, I get blended and unblended six times. All right. And so you can see the turbulence in life for young people. And we don't go to church anymore like we used to. I, I mean, I, I went to Catholic school, went to church Friday with my school, and we went to church Sunday with as a family. Now, I'm not arguing for religion, um, but it was part of the infrastructure of my life. All my coaches were veterans. I knew I didn't need water to play sports. You want to know why? Because my coaches told me that. Hydration, that was something farmers did. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and it wasn't a thing. If they could go three days fighting the Philippines in World War II with no water, I could certainly go 90 minutes. So if you want the water, run the play right. Let's go, boys. Uh, okay. So anyhow, um, the difference in the way kids grow up, right? Awards for showing up. That don't mean anything to them. No kids ever run to their bedroom and got a box of medals and um, and got a box of medals and said, Grandma and Grandpa, hey, look at these, you know, medals my mom keeps in the bottom of my closet. They're so cool. And then you contrast that with when Marines become Marines these days. We, um, it's a ceremony called the, after an event called the Crucible. 
uh, an event that they think is grueling, and it is if you've never been, done something like this. But it lasts for multiple days. They don't get a whole lot of sleep. They're pushed physically, all of that. And the culmination is a ceremony someplace where somebody, for the first time in their lives, you know, sticks in a metal eagle globe and anchor in the palm of their hand and calls them a Marine, something they didn't know if it would happen. They earned it. And you see pictures of that ceremony and everybody's, everybody's crying. <laughs> Babies. No, no, it's cool. And, um, but not that we won't give, a, give them a rough time for it. So, but again, they earn that discipline. Now it's timeout corner. Corporal punishment, Kathleen was, was <laughs> corporal punishment, Kathleen. She would spit on timeout corner. My mother who never spit, she would spit on that. Right. But that's discipline these days. I mean, kids argue about what they got sent to timeout corner from in timeout corner. And they negotiate the terms of their release in timeout corner. It's not a difficult thing, but that's discipline. Yeah, that's the way that is. Colleen, a senior in high school, she could fail every uh, every class this year. Do you think they're going to flunk her? Hell no. They will excrete her into the world and wish her all the best of luck. Yep, 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 yep. Right, and because she doesn't fail, and because she doesn't do, they don't do adversity. It's always somebody else's fault, right? Young people don't develop a really important skill in life, and that is how to how to tighten your belt, how to accept responsibility, and outwork a mistake. How to overcome adversity. They don't do that. Our culture is not about that. It's about your feelings. And then Colleen, I mean, so. Anytime somebody farts at her high school, she gets asked, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel, Colleen? And so were it not for me as her father, <laughs> she would think her feelings were really important. And uh, I got asked, how does that make you feel when my mom was spanking me? Yeah, corporal punishment, Kathleen. Spanking me, talking shit with that parliament cigarette in her mouth. Bam, 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 bam. Every bit of it I deserved, I might add. And uh, she, my mom had same boilerplate lines going in, going into the event, always the same. You know I don't want to do this. Yeah. Then why are we doing it, Mom? If you don't want to do it, let's just call it good. And then the next one was, you know this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Like, yeah, I think that's factually incorrect, but whatever. You seem to be, you, you're running this event, not I. And um, then, while she's spanking me, yeah, Mr. Smart Pants, right? Starting that backhoe on that construction site. How does this make you feel? So that's when I got asked, how does that make you feel? And I'm pretty sure that was a rhetorical question. She wasn't really concerned about how I felt. And I would look over my shoulder and see her talking shit and spanking me. She looked like Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones, right? But that's when I got asked, how does that make you feel? Yeah, and then you graduate. And then think about it. They graduated from high school in that world. And then what do they find out? Nobody gives a fu fuck about your feelings. Nobody gives a fuck about you. What a shock, huh? What a shock to the little pumpkins. Can you see why they need therapists? I can Oh, come here. Let me give you another hug. 
Yeah, go ahead and not make your car payment for four or five months and watch what happens. Four Hispanic dudes with a tow truck and a video camera showing up to reclaim the bank's car. Go ahead and fuck with them. You'll be on their reality TV show, right? Repo boys. <laughs> right? Repo boys. Yeah, beating your ass in your front yard. That's how much somebody cares about your feeling. And so we and so we wonder why they struggle, right? And then when they do struggle, we send them to talk about their feeling. We don't look at them and say, there's nothing wrong with you, man. You don't have a serious mental illness, which, which exists in less than 5% of the nation. You don't have a serious mental illness. Life's just kicking your ass, man. You want to talk about it some more? Come here. You want me to hug you? You got to go, man. Your whole life can't be centered on, on your feelings for the love of God, man. Life's tough. But that's the way they grow up. And then we send them to therapists. And what's the first fucking thing they want to do? Yep. Well, I've uh, prescribed some meds for you. Nice. And we wonder how the track to the Vicodin habit starts. We wonder how the track to the Oxycontin track starts. We wonder how all that starts. It ain't all about physical pain, boys and girls. It's about an addiction to numbing myself because I can't deal with my life. Oh, shit. You want to hear an interesting historical fact? The Depression lasted 10 years. The Depression and the Dust Bowl happened simultaneously. Yeah, how about that? Think, think this Depression thing's a little rough? Let me denude the Midwest of all vegetation, and we'll see how that how everybody fucking likes that one. Just in case you weren't on your ass enough, here's another dose. So what do you do when life kicks you in the face three, four, five times? You get in the fetal position, you turtle. That's a hockey term. You turtle. We didn't used to be like that. But that's why I say, so I start all this, I don't know how I got here, but no, I do. The world needs more coaches. We need more people like the best teacher, the best coach you ever had. We need more coaches, right? And so uh, I was, I'm putting this thing together uh, with a couple of people that I met. Susan and Peggy, and uh, and so we will begin to do some work with uh, with coaches, and pretty exciting stuff. Pretty exciting stuff. Post traumatic brain going mainstream. That's right. That's right. The um, what else happened on my adventure last week? I I did post traumatic winning. Post traumatic winning. It's it's a post-traumatic winning is a behemoth. If I did it with no limitations, it would probably be about four and a half hours. The presentation. Well, probably it'd be probably be closer to six, but in the form the latest form I had it, it was four hours, four hours and fifteen minutes with a couple of breaks in there. So I got it down to three hours. It's so painful to do that for me. I need to go to therapy when I do that. It's like putting one of my kids out the <laughs> out the pasture. It's heartbreaking for me. And but I had to do it three hours. A, it was three, so it's three hours. I had to do it three times a day. 
Yeah. Five straight days. And I crushed it. I was afraid that my voice would come out. But it did not. Yeah. It was strong like the Statue of Liberty. A beacon in the night, my voice. That's right. And one of the coolest compliments I got. So because of COVID, groups are smaller, right? Colonel, in the last group I did it for, Friday, started at 3 o'clock. Like, how much did they want to be there? Not so much. So anyhow, um, he comes up to me at the end, and he after it's done, and he said, uh, want some feedback? Which normally is code for um, we are... Uh, I'm unhappy with how much profanity you used or something else that they want to tell me about. So, But anyway, it's normally not a compliment. But this time it was. And I said, sure. And he said, uh, oh, I had, a, I had somebody read a book, sit and read a book throughout the whole thing. And I fight my own anger with stuff like that, just the rudeness of it. And I was like, you know what, just, I'm not going to say anything. That... I lost that argument to myself. He wound up standing in front of me. And I looked up and I saw him and I said, hey, could I talk to you? It's an officer. And I told him that, you know, you shouldn't do that. It's other than being rude. You know what example you set here for everybody? That the rules that apply to everybody else don't apply to you. Yeah. But anyway, so this colonel's talking to me, and he said, you know, I was sitting in front, and I didn't know how many people were here, but I was watching the way you deliver this, and the passion and the intensity you have for this. I just assumed the room was full. When I turned around and saw that it was less than half full, I just can't tell you how impressed I was that you put that kind of effort you know, for everybody that comes here. And I said, I told him, I said, well, it's not hard. It is not hard. It is, um, it's the easiest thing to get motivated for in the world. You know, um, I had a kid who came up to me and told me that he was, uh, he was raped by a group of guys. Yeah. So this is a guy and you're, you're being part of something that changes his life. He came up to me and asked me to talk to me. And then he said, I need to tell you something, but I can't say it. So I wrote it. Would you read it? And I said, of course I would. And so I read it. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Who's going to go get high with some friends. These other guys show up. They somehow their meth winds up in what they're smoking Right, it knocks him for a loop. Then he's given a horse tranquilizer by these guys, and then they put an ad on a gay dating site saying that if you want to have sex with somebody, come here right now. And they did, and he lives with the aftermath of that. Right, and, and I told him something I've taken to telling people like this you know, do you know what a miracle you are to be here? And they just look at me like I'm crazy, right? And I say, I, I'm not I'm not joking at all. You don't belong here, right? You don't belong here. You you shouldn't be here. Um 
people that go through what you go through, they don't get to this. They don't get to this place. Do you not see the miracle of your DNA? And they don't. And that's why I try to point it out for them. You should. You sure as hell should. Because it is a miracle. Because people that go through that kind of stuff when they're young normally don't get to here. The only reason you're here is because of the kind of human being that you are. And uh, at some point. And so he was, you know, he gets this huge smile on his face. And I said, hey, man, your life's about to get way better. And so we were talking, and he said, you know, I came to this. I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. And he said, and I sat there, and it's like, oh, my God, he's talking to me. I said, yep, I'm talking to you. And I said, your life's going to change. He said, I hope so. I said, oh, you can take the hope out of it. I said, so when I said you're never going to get over this, what did you think? And he said, if it wasn't for the fact that there were so many guys sitting in here, I'd have straight up cried. I had to bite my lip. Because we put it in their heads that somehow or other they're going to get over it. Right? That somehow or other something's going to erase this from the database. And that you're just going to be okay. And when somebody looks at them and says, that's not the way it works. And there's nothing wrong with you. And you don't have anything to apologize for. You're a victim in all this. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. Now, I know you're still going to feel it, but I'm going to tell you, you didn't do anything wrong. You're a victim. Those are criminals. And, but... You're not going to be able to erase it. The only thing you can do is use that to create joy in your life. And I will teach you how to do that. I will teach you how to, I will introduce you to people. And, and again, one of the coolest parts about stuff like this is introducing him to my friend Tim. And Tim's going to become his friend. He's going to become a mentor to this guy. And um, Tim, who's, who was raped in his life more than once, um, this is going to become a source of joy for Tim. And so, you know, uh, post-traumatic winning is crazy. You know, when I say good on top of good on top of good on top of good, um, I'm, not, I'm not bullshitting around, right? <laughs> it's, it, it, I see it. I see it. Then I have another Marine come up to me. This could help me uh, on a couple of days that I was doing it. And, uh, you know, so they show up and I make sure the the room's open and everything's good. And I just kind of go about my business. But he's a corporal and and he says, hey, Mac, do you think you could introduce me to Parker? I said, fuck yeah, man. And he said, like, like Parker's a big shot. (laughs) And I'm like, he's a normal dude, man. He's just like you. He goes, man, I'd love to meet that guy. And uh, so I called Parker and tell him, I said, hey, man, I think I've turned you into a celebrity. He starts laughing. And, uh, and so this goodness begets goodness. And uh, it's, uh, it's so, so, so fucking cool, right? So this one kid coming up to me in North Carolina becomes a joyful event for Tim. Another kid coming up to me becomes a joyful event for Parker, right? Another 
kid is going to meet Matt Kiker. And so, and so again, it's good on top of good on top of good on top of good on top of good. Matt Kiker, right, who so, so, so in the depths of, you know, his own pain, right? I saw my uncle murder my aunt. My dad committed suicide on the phone, right? My One of my best friends in sixth grade hung himself because he was being sexually abused and physically abused at home. My brother commits suicide after I joined the Marine Corps. And then I go home to bury him and find out he was sleeping with my fiance. Right? Make it stop, man. Come on. Matt's Matt Kiker. That's Matt Kiker. And uh, I need to call Matt. But anyway, you know, Matt's going to meet, you know, these guys. And he's going to help them. And so it's this tornado of goodness that begins to happen. And uh, so it's very cool. And the exciting part for me working with Peggy and Susan is that that tornado is going to get bigger. As more people, uh, as more people get exposed to this, coaches, and uh, and so so no, uh, it's very very exciting, very very exciting. The other project I pulled out of my ass that I started yesterday, that I may finish today, I might not. I'm in this kind of create creator. I'm redoing all the videos, so I'm updating them. I I, I the presentations got. So, got so much better in the last six months <laughs> and, I, and I know I, I always say that but I do I I get better at telling the story I I love the whole Psalm 23 thing the fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm I love the 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 powerful visual image of the valley of the shadow of death and life shoving us in there and that's what trauma does right and there's there's two paths in there man you can go numb yourself and you can go talk about it for the rest of your life. Where does that take you? Does that take you to behavior change? Does that take you out of the valley? And I think really often it does not. That's why people stop going to therapy and they just, they learn how to fake it. And they're down, they stay in the valley. And it's rough. It's rough. And so, um, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm redoing the, the presentation. That's what had me up till 3.45 this morning. And, um, yeah, I was learning about codecs, video codecs. Yeah. And when you when you create video content in Adobe Premiere Pro, what are the codec settings that you need to do to make sure it looks like what you want it to look like? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, anywho... Um, <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm doing that. But in the midst of that, Admiral James Stockdale on my radar. So I start listening to Epictit, Epictetus. Epictetus, the first Stoic philosopher, the great Stoic philosopher. I'm not sure if he was the first, but he's a great one. And so... I'm intrigued with Stockdale's journey because Stockdale knows about the fourth path when he's ejecting from his aircraft over North Vietnam after he gets shot down, right? So, um, 
Stockdale delivers a, a speech called Courage Under Fire. And he delivers a speech at the Great Hall at King's College in London on Monday, November 15th, 1993. So I'm hopping in the shower yesterday morning, and there was two things that I wanted to do. I only did one yesterday, partially. I start to listen to this British guy read Admiral Stockdale's speech. And I'm like, I should do that. I should create a version of this thing. I should hang it on my website, and I should tell people to listen to it. I mean, how long is the speech? It can't be. And I looked at the uh, the, the the YouTube thing, and it was it was 56 minutes. But he's English, and he doesn't say the words right, and he doesn't. I I thought I can do better than that, of course. <laughs> Hello. So I start, I get the PDF that has uh, the speech in it. I copy and paste that into a Word document. And now I have to go through page by page, paragraph by paragraph, and edit for typos that found their way into the PDF. Uh, for they looks like they scanned it with a very good scanner with optical character recognition known as OCR. And sometimes there's mistakes. So I go and I look for that. But I then, you know, I make sure that's exactly as it was in the initial writing. It's reformatted a bit. So the paragraphs appear on the pages different, but that's it. So I do that. And then I begin to read it. And I think, I don't have the time to do this. I had stuff I had to do. I had to go to the store. I spent a lot of money on groceries yesterday. More than I intended. But it's okay. I got a good steak. I bought charcoal and some other stuff. So, Yeah, but over over $200 in groceries like for my house. Like, what the hell? But I was, I was low on supplies, as uh, they used to say on Little House on the Prairie. So anyhow, um, I tabled that project. And then for the coaching thing that I'm going to do... Um, I re-recorded the first part of post-traumatic warning after a Zoom call, and that's what kept me up late at night. So I've got this Courage Under Fire thing that I want to do, because Stockdale to me is really one of, it, it might be one of the most serendipitous uh, leadership stories ever created. And, and what I mean by that is Stockdale is uniquely qualified. He goes to let me let me read you let me read you part of this, right? So he gets sent to Stanford by the Navy to get a degree in international relations. Right? Um I began my second year of studying international relations at Stanford so I could become a strategic planner in the Pentagon. But my heart wasn't in it. I had yet to be inspired at Stanford and saw myself as just processing tedious material about how nations organize and govern themselves. I was too old for that. I knew how political systems operated. I'd been beating systems for years. Then, in what we call a feel-out pass and stunt flying, I cruised into Stanford's philosophy corner one winter morning. I was gray-haired and in civilian clothes. A voice boomed out of an office. Can I help you? 
The speaker was Philip Rhinelander, Dean of Humanities and Sciences, who taught philosophy six, the problems of good and evil. At first he thought I was a professor, but we soon found common ground in the Navy because he'd served in World War II. Within 15 minutes, we'd agreed that I would enter his two-term course in the middle, and to make up for my lack of background, I would meet him for an hour a week for a private tutorial in the study of his campus home. Phil Rhinelander opened my eyes. It was that study, in that study, it all happened for me, my inspiration, my dedication to the philosophic life. From then on, I was out of international relations. I already had enough credits for the master's and into philosophy. We went from Job to Socrates to Aristotle to Descartes, and then to Kant, Hume, Dostoevsky, Camus. All the while, Rhinelander was psyching me out, trying to figure out what I was seeking. He thought my interest in Hume's dialogue concerning natural religion were quite interesting. On my last session, he reached high on his wall of books and brought down a copy of the, I would say, Incrediden. But that's not how you pronounce it. Right? It is the work done by Epictetus. He said, I think you'll be interested in this. In Incredidin. That's not how I would say it, but that's how it, it looks to be pronounced, and I should look it up. means, I've heard it pronounced a number of different ways, which is why I'm struggling. means ready at hand. In other words, it's a handbook. Rhinelander explained that its author, Epictetus, was a very unusual man of intelligence and sensitivity who gleaned wisdom rather than bitterness from his early first-hand exposure to extreme cruelty and first-hand observations of the power of of abuse, and self-indulgent debauchery. Epictetus was born a slave. So that's Stockdale, right? I mean, come on. So that guy learns from the readings of Epictetus, and as he perishes in the North Vietnam, he knows about the fourth path. He knows, you know, that the only thing he can he can govern is his own behavior. And he's he studied in this area, and he's the senior POW at the Hanoi Hilton. So when I say it's the most serendipitous, you know, thing, and there's 600 people held prisoner there, and Stockdale becomes their commanding officer. And uh, the story's an amazing story. The story is an absolutely amazing story. They come back with a 4% rate of PTSD. Can't happen. Impossible. But it does. But it does. So, anyway. Sue, good morning here. I, You know, Alex Hollings was... Um, Alex Hollings was... I asked him to see if he would come on today, but I don't think he, I don't think he answered me. Maybe I didn't send him a message. I thought I did. Well, it says I didn't. Um, so 
we're just probably going to do the news and then uh and then I'm going to go about my day and I have stuff to do and then uh tomorrow uh either Alex will join me. I have to get Grant back on. You haven't heard from Grant in a while. And then I got to I got to get my ass and my brain wired together here. So, good morning to you on a Monday morning, the 18th day of January. Inauguration day is what? Tomorrow. Uh, no more D Trump, D Trump and uh, President Joe Biden will take over. I'll give you a, a kind of a, as I've watched all this kind of from afar the last week, because I've been doing other things, uh, very interesting. You know, we, we had the country blowing up all summer. And I'm sure there was pictures and I'm sure there was evidence, but none of that seemed to make any difference. I mean, nobody seemed, I don't recall seeing anybody go on trial for anything they did. I know that DAs dropped all kinds of charges against people. So I guess so. I guess it matters when you break the law what your cause is. That's what matters now. And I and honestly, I don't know what happened at the Capitol. And um, were there elements of a, a peaceful protest along with other more nefarious things that were going on? That looks to me what happened. And let me tell you, I think big media, big social media, big technology got exactly what the fuck they they wanted. Big media loves that shit, right? What do they shove down our throats every day? The craziest fucking people in this country get on TV every day. That's not our country. It's clickbait for their profit, right? And that's what you'll hear. That's That's what's a common theme in all this. So that which we watch every night, right, isn't, isn't the news of the nation. It's what you'll click on of the nation, right? So then, then you, what do you do? Social media takes that, and they whip it up and put it on steroids. Bam, let's get it everywhere. We'll get them all clicking and commenting, and, and we'll whip it up. These, these people are idiots. Absolute idiots. And then you have you have things like YouTube. What do they do? They give you more and more and more extreme content. Go ahead, do a search on Sandy Hook denier. Do a her do a do a search on the Holocaust didn't happen, and it will take you deeper and deeper down the road of crazy shit, all for money. Every one of these, every one of these tech companies, the the ending is all for money, all for money, all for money. Yeah. And so you're watching that, and so different rules apply. And I will tell you, that's why I say, I mean, this is going to get worse. This is going to get worse. Nobody got put on trial for anything that happened this summer. We didn't have, I, didn't, I never saw a hearing. Never saw the Speaker of the House stand, stand up and say this is wrong. What she said was, people will do what they do. Sounds like she said, fuck it for political gain. It made Donald Trump look bad. It would help them win the election. So fuck it if, the, if cities burn and, 
and parts of cities are looted. Not once did I see her go on TV and say this violence is wrong. Not once. And so, so if if um, if our leaders in this country, I don't like to use that word. If the people that get elected in this country, like Nancy Pelosi, like like Chuck Schumer, like Mitch McConnell, and like Kevin McCarthy, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden, if they're so deaf that they can't hear. The discord in our nation, and it isn't racial discord, trust me. It's a discord of viewpoints. We look at the, the nation different. If if you're not listening to the other side, then they're going to make you listen. They're going to make you listen. And it's not going to be pretty when it happens. So, yeah, and as I watch the news, it doesn't look like anybody's listening. So it's just going to be more politics as usual. It's going to be more tone-deaf shit out of Washington, D.C. And if you don't like it, fuck you. So you got that going for you. So stand by. It's going to get worse. So on that note, good morning to you. Uh, It's nice to be home. It's nice to have a conversation with you. Hope you're doing good. Um, Yeah, and I apologize for not being able to put very much up last week but as i said i was doing post-traumatic winning three times a day that's a total of nine hours of speaking talking with people that came up afterwards and and doing that and i did i'd leave at 6 15 in the morning get back home between seven and eight and then eat something and and fall honestly and fall asleep not too long after get up and do it again so um so it is good to be home and i, I think i might be headed back east in a couple of weeks, we will find out. Um, so, good morning to you on this uh, Monday morning. The, the inauguration, what is tomorrow, I think? Um, and uh, and the nation will peacefully transition. So, United States Marine Corps Band makes this Monday morning official. Good morning. <laughs> This is dedicated to the Marines who came up to me uh, last week, whose lives are so full of pain and who did not see a way through. Um, what you saw last week was no bullshit. 
I think you know that. Uh, that path is real. You can walk it. Other, you, you saw pictures of a whole bunch of other people that walk it. If they can do it, you can fucking do it too. So uh, it was awesome meeting you guys and girls. And, uh, and uh, know that your life's going to get better. But you got to do the things you're supposed to do. If you think that your life's going to get better and you're not going to have to devote yourself to behavior change, you're wrong. And so it's not, uh, it's not an easy process. It's kind of like a street fight. Uh, difficult days ahead. But know this. There is a path. All these other Marines have walked down it. You could do it too. So this is dedicated right, to that endeavor. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. We will check the weather here on a Monday, as I said, beautiful in California. I was talking to my cousin last night. He says, absolutely gorgeous Sacramento. About 70 degrees. I said, yeah, 70's bullshit, man. Come on. Almost fired up the air conditioner today. Or yesterday. Currently in Quantico, partly sunny in 45. 
down the coast at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune. It is sunny in 53. 29 Palms, sun in 63. Pendleton, sun in 55. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 72 with three weather warnings. So we got to check that out. Let's see. Gale warning until Monday night. Wind advisory until Monday at 6. Flash flood watch until Tuesday at 6. So Hawaii has wind and rain. Okinawa, whoa, clear, dark in 51, yikes, Darwin, down under, dark cloudy in 78, and in Norway, in Oslo, it is cloudy late in the day and 28 degrees, hope my son's got his jacket on. <laughs> Um, at the home of Auburn Radio, the Costa Mesa Newport Beach area of beautiful Southern California, it is sunny at 55 degrees. Looking for a high today of 72, 70 tomorrow, 77 on Wednesday, 67 on Thursday, 63 on Friday. That is a look at your weather here on a Monday morning. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I will check the news headlines, which I haven't done in, in, in a long time. So we'll both find out what the hell's going on in the news. So don't touch that now. More of this fine program coming up next right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. We used to get together every week. She's been home from her last deployment for months now, and I haven't seen her once. He's just been different since he got back from Iraq. One minute he's ready to go, and the next he doesn't want anyone around. The nightmares are back and seem to be getting worse. Shouldn't he be sleeping better after all these years? A lot of people don't understand what veterans go through during their service or when they come back. And that's okay. But everyone can help. You can make a difference in the life of a veteran. You stood by us when we were in uniform, so stand by us now. Like my brother did, when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did, when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did when she made the call. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. America's service members and veterans are strong, forged out of bravery, sacrifice, and duty. They are diverse, unique, from all corners of the country, and thanks to their common experience, a family for life. But whether they served in lands far away or communities close to home, some of these men and women may face difficult times or even crisis, but sometimes reaching out for help can be the most challenging and worthwhile mission of all for veterans, service members, reserve, and National Guard. Thankfully, friends, family, and communities are standing by their service members and veterans now more than ever. We're all in this together. 
When you recognize something isn't right, make the call to the Veterans Crisis Line or Military Crisis Line. During times of crisis, reach out and call. Dial 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or chat online at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. It is 8.53 here on the west coast of the United States. Time for us to check the news. Yeah, I haven't looked at the news in a while. Uh, Stars and Stripes, top headline, overnight deployment. How the Maryland Guard ready to protect the U.S. Capitol. I've been out of touch, so like, from what? From nothing? Let's see. Uh, Next story. Guard pours into Washington as states answer the call. By the bus load, by the plane load, National Guard troops pouring in the nation's capital on Saturday. As governors answered the urgent pleas of U.S. defense officials for more troops. All right. Um... Acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller made some news last late last week. I can't wait to leave this job. <laughs> Visiting uh, Space Command and NORTHCOM at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs. I've been there. That's where I met Stacy Falzerano speaking there. FBI is vetting National Guard troops in D.C. amid fears of an insider attack. What the hell? Joint Army Air Force Base in Alaska bans all on-post alcohol sales after 10 p.m. Who's still open that late? I guess the uh, they sell beer at the gas stations and stuff. I guess they would be open. So, uh, Stars and Stripes. Some headlines for you there. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal, top headline. Keystone XL oil project pledges zero carbon emissions. The controversial pipeline project would be powered by renewable energy and built by union labor in a series of planned overhauls to avoid being axed by the Biden administration. Uh, Next headline, China is the only major economy to report growth in 2020. 
Do you believe that? Trying to lie again? Their lips are moving. Right? Their lips are moving. Tesla starts delivering China-made Model Y crossover vehicle. Another interesting headline in the Wall Street Journal. France, once a vaccine pioneer, is now the top skeptic in the COVID-19 pandemic. Hmm. So that in the Wall Street Journal. If you didn't, if you, you want a sports story, is Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Drew Brees hooked up yesterday. Pretty good football game, and Tom Brady won. And so uh, his new team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going to the NFC Championship game, where they will face who? The Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. So that'll be one for the ages, eh? Tom Brady, man, he and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, great, great, great quarterbacks. And so so they will, uh, they'll play this weekend. And, uh, yeah. Top stories in USNI news. Navy integrating littoral combat ships, expeditionary sea base into new operating concepts. Interesting. Report to Congress on the Joint Light Tactical Vehicle. Chinese survey ship caught running dark gives clues to underwater drone operations. Pretty interesting little story here. Running dark means, you know, normally um, uh, ships squawk. Okay? Normally aircraft squawk. And so... um, Things that are running that should be squawking when they're running nose cold normally are up to no good. A Chinese government survey ship was intercepted running dark without broadcasting its position via the International Automated Information System by Indonesian officials. The incident is the latest twist in an ongoing maritime saga, which has also seen Chinese unscrew underwater vehicles. I'm sorry, unscrewed. Uncrewed underwater vehicles, which is our UUV, so drones, underwater drones, found in Indonesia's territorial waters. Indonesia, not really a big fan of China. This story last week, but since I wasn't around, um, I did not see it. Headline, SEAL pleads guilty to manslaughter in the death of Green Beret Logan Melger. A Navy SEAL pled guilty on Thursday for his part in a 2017 homicide of a special operations soldier, service officials confirmed to USNI News. As part of the agreement with military prosecutors, Chief Special Warfare Operator Anthony Dadolph pled guilty to four charges at the hearing at Naval Station Norfolk related to the June 2017 death of Army Staff Sergeant Logan Melger. Dolph pled guilty to conspiracy to commit assault, which they planned, involuntary manslaughter, which was a lesser charge, 
hazing and obstruction of justice, according to charging documents reviewed by NSI News. His initial charges included felony murder, as I just said. Manslaughter was a plea deal. Dadal told the judge during the Thursday hearing that he, Chief Special Warfare Operator Adam Matthews, and Marine Raider Staff Sergeant Kevin Maxwell and Gunnery Sergeant Mario Maderna, Madera Rodriguez planned a retaliatory tape job as payback for a perceived slight by Melger to his housemates. The Dolphin Matthews were members of the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, also known as SEAL Team 6. Melger was sleeping in his room when the four operators, accompanied by a British citizen and two Malian guards, arrived at the house shared by the SEALs and the Green Berets between 5 and 6 a.m. After breaking into the room with a sledgehammer, Dodolf used a rear naked choke to force Melger unconscious and taped him up. After 30 seconds, Melger was still out. Usually by that time, the individual has gotten up, Dodolf says, and he did not. Following Melger's death, the SEALs attempted to cover up what happened by omitting the use of the duct tape and the Marines' presence in their initial statements to Army investigators. In a statement, Dodolph's lawyer said the SEAL never intended to seriously hurt Melger. The trial now enters the sentencing phase, where a jury will make a recommendation on sentencing. The case is being overseen by Rear Admiral Charles Rock, the commander of Naval Region Mid-Atlantic, who was selected as a consolidated disposition authority to oversee the case. Matthews, the other SEAL, was sentenced to a year in prison in 2019. Maxwell, one of the Marines, was sentenced to four years in prison. Madera Rodriguez, the other Marine, is set to go on trial next month, according to a Navy spokesman. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And these are not kids, either. Gunnery sergeant, been in the Marine Corps for how many years? 13, 14? Stupid. And somebody's dead because of it. Um, Marine Corps stories. Uh, number one, the Commandant of the Marine Corps and the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. They publicly received their COVID-19 shots, so good for them. Can the Pentagon prosecute military retirees under the UCMJ? Maybe it depends. And so you saw this article last week when there was a slew of articles and I saw the headlines talking about the number of veterans that were involved in the riot at the Capitol, the storming of the Capitol, and taking over parts of the Capitol. All of which is wrong, I might add. I've seen protest, right? I know what a protest is. Okay, that's not a protest. Recent reports of current service members, veterans, and some military retirees participating in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th have prompted calls for investigations into those connections and using the Uniform Code of Military Justice to prosecute the offenders. But the law is complicated. Each of those groups falls into different categories when it comes to the UCMJ. And military justice might not apply in many cases. The trickiest is retirees. 
I should learn this, right? Being one. For those currently serving on active duty, the UCMJ applies. The UCMJ does not apply to veterans who were discharged before reaching 20 years of service. For reservists, the UCMJ applies only while on active duty or in, on or during inactive duty training. For retirees, the UCMJ does not apply in some situations. It all depends on how they retired. And even that is being litigated. In a letter to Acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller this week, combat veteran and U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth, who's a Democrat from Illinois, called for the Pentagon and the services to root out extremists and hold individuals accountable under the UCMJ. And then there's an article about one of the guys who's retired Air Force guy, right? Brock retired. Because Brock is a retired reservist, he doesn't fall under the UCMJ. Yes. Had he retired from active duty, however, the Air Force could pursue charges against him. Yes, that reserve thing. Nice. So I'm not covered. The rest of my friends are. Mm -hmm. Too bad, so sad for them. Nice. Um, let's see. Top five stories in early bird. Is there anything else in Marine Corps Times that I think you should know? Hold on. Let me uh, let me find out. Um, let's see. Norquist to serve as acting defense secretary, acting. Service secretaries are named. Top military leaders issue warning to troops after deadly capital insurrection. I think we've lost our mind, honestly, but whatever. Um, and just so you know, it's going to get worse. As the crazies are emboldened, and they will be, Right? As there is no compromise in this country, because there's not. As the crazies have a forum, and they do, stand by. Right? Stand the fuck by. Uh, number one, Norquist to serve as acting defense secretary. Uh, two, in waning days, Trump shakes up CENTCOM to increase Arab-Israeli efforts against Iran. Number three, long-held Pentagon survey shows widespread racial discrimination and harassment. That's in Reuters. Four, fearing specter of extremist violence, governor's plan for National Guard at home. This is the Washington Post. Governors in multiple states moved Thursday to activate National Guardsmen to bolster security at their own jurisdictions through the inauguration. So, all around the country, everybody's going to general quarters. Uh, number five, Army Guardsman, first known service member, arrested after the Capitol riot. So, I, and again, um, I would imagine that we'll see hearings about all this, yes? Are we going to see any hearings about what happened last summer? Oh, well, no. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. So to me, again, there's two standards of justice in the country. And at some point, 
really, really bad shit's going to happen in this country because of leaders who foster that system. Leaders who don't believe in compromise anymore. And that's what we all watch on a daily basis. And so 400 million guns in the country, not going to work out well. So again, don't lose faith though. All right, so let me, let me, as somebody who lived through the 60s, okay, the country will get through this, right? And it will be a function of our leadership. Can they be actual leaders and not just shitbags? Not just political shitbags. That's the question. Think about this. The Civil Rights Act was passed by Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat from Texas. And for all of you who don't know your American history, the Democrats were the party of segregation. What? Yeah, you could look it up. Yeah, they were called the Dixiecrats. They were the party of segregation. They were the party of Jim Crow. They blocked civil rights legislation year after year after year. That was the Democrats. But it was a Democrat from Texas, a Southern Democrat, that got the civil rights bill passed. It's very interesting when President Johnson, after President Kennedy was assassinated, you know, Martin Luther King was like, uh, not going to be a good thing. Johnson called him and said, and, and, and what Lindy Johnson was good at was, you know, busting kneecaps, breaking arms, and getting legislation through the House. And that's what he's good at, right? He knew, how to, he knew how to play that game. He knew how to do it. And he told Martin Luther King, I'll get this passed. The king was like, at first, he didn't want to talk to him. And he didn't believe him. He, the first meetings, he, he left and like, that guy's not serious. Oh, he was. So think about that. Lyndon Johnson, a Southern Democrat, concludes that for the good of the nation, the nation's got to go here. Do we have such people? Hmm? Do we have such people? Um, I don't see him. I don't see him. Overseas operations, Iran test, mi- test missiles under apparent watch of U.S. Navy nuclear sub. The Army's uh, command team in Europe received their, their coronavirus vaccine, so we all should breathe a sigh of relief. Let me see if there's any other news that I would tell you about your Marine Corps and Navy. Here's an interesting little story. Hypersonics unmanned ship teaming ahead of Zumwalt destroyer. So how about that? You have a little drone. It's kind of a weapons platform. You send it, right? You send it ahead of you and you control it. It's an outreach, right? The oldest living Marine who joined after the Pearl Harbor attack has passed away. Died at the age of 107. Her name was Dorothy Cole. Her nickname was Dot. 
enlisted as one of the earliest female Marine reservists in response to the 1941 bombing of Pearl Harbor and was widely celebrated around her birthday in September as the country's oldest living Marine. She died of a heart attack last Thursday at her daughter's home in Canopolis. She was 107. How about that? Dot was 28 years old when she boarded a bus in her hometown of Warren, Pennsylvania for the 150-mile trip to Pittsburgh where she hoped to volunteer for the Navy. When she tried to enlist, however, the recruiter informed her that at just 4 feet 11 inches, she wasn't tall enough to meet Navy standards. So she eventually came up with another plan after returning to Warren. She would learn to become a pilot and persuade the Marine Corps to let her fly an airplane. It was the longest of long shots. From 1918 to 1942, enlisted female Marines had only been allowed to perform clerical duties. But in July of 1942, with conflict overseas intensifying, President Franklin Roosevelt signed the Marine Corps' Marine Corps Women's Reserve into law to fill gaps left by men headed to combat in administration, training, and supply positions at its bases. The Corps delayed formations of the branch until February of 1943. Cole enlisted five months later, on July 12, 1943, at 29 years old, becoming a part of the earliest volunteers for the Marine Corps. By that point, she had logged about 200 hours in the cockpit of a Piper Cub and had earned her private pilot's license. It would not be enough to sway Marines, though, after Cole completed six weeks at boot camp with other women reservists on the beaches of Camp Lejeune near Jacksonville, North Carolina. They put me behind a typewriter instead of an airplane. Cole went on to spend her two years of active service stationed at a firing range in Quantico, with the majority of her responsibilities centering around typing up the correspondence of officers. Quote, it was kind of a tough time, and we were not welcomed too well by many of these men in the service, Cole recalled in a Marine Corps Times article, but they got over it. Well, God bless her. All right? God bless her. And uh, and that, that'll do it for today. So it's nice to be home. It's nice to be back. Uh, nice to spend uh, some time uh, with everybody like I normally do. So... Um, so I I can't tell you how exciting it is for me to go around now and, and do this thing that this is the third year of it. Yeah, I started doing post-traumatic quitting two years ago. And so into the third year to watch what it does, to see the impact, to hear the feedback. And uh, one of the things that's really cool is, um, you know, I, I, I talk to leaders especially enlisted leaders. And I say, you know, you guys have every tool that uh, that you need to make this good. Every single one of them. They're sitting right here right now. The biggest thing you have to do, though, is you got to have a conversation with them. They're dying to meet you. They're dying to meet you. 
and they don't have a serious mental illness. They don't need therapists. They need you. They need somebody who they look up to to sit them down and say, you can do this and teach them these skills. And for for some of them, it's developing them for the first time. They just don't know. They're ignorant because they grew up in a bullshit culture with bullshit parents. And honestly, most of these young people are miracles. And so the number of staff and COs that came up to me and said, hey, thank you. Um, Very cool. Very cool. Because I will tell you what, that's what, that's what, you know, Marines need. That's what young people in general need is they need somebody to talk to, somebody that says, I believe in you. I know you can do it. You can get through this stuff. You can get through this stuff. You know, one of the things I, I don't understand about, about the whole thing that went on at the Capitol, you're now seeing articles that said, yeah, the FBI warned everybody. Well, what the fuck, man? That there, you know, these elements are coming to town, and then we didn't do the right thing. Then you have Timmy saying it was done on purpose. Yeah, Timmy charging the black helicopter. It was done on purpose, man. They knew what they were doing. They stood aside for political purposes. All was a made-for-TV event. So, we shall see how this goes. And uh, as I said before, it's going to get worse. Um, I take no pride in saying that, um, but I do believe it because everybody's tone deaf, right? Nobody's willing to compromise. And so Democrats, Democrats are now going to put it to everybody, right? This riot has given them the moral high ground, right? That's what they believe. And so... They will do what they will do. Have a great day. This program is going to repeat itself momentarily if you're just tuning in. And no, I'm uh, the year started great for me. I've been able to, uh, you know, go speak for a week and have that incredible experience. And then also, um, you know, going to get an opportunity to uh, to start doing post traumatic winning with civilian coaches so that's not very exciting so i'm fired up about it yeah so have a great day don't be afraid to most importantly don't be afraid to change somebody's life it is the coolest thing you'll ever do and i know that because i have a chance to do it on a regular basis so and then i got this the other night (laughs) in the middle of the night right in the middle of the night imagine this So I get this. At 11, I was asleep. It was a, it was an, it was Saturday night. So I I think I fainted at about nine o'clock at night. I passed out. I was too tired. Eleven thirty-five. Hey man, you up? From one of my one of my guys. At one o'clock, I text back. Yes, I get this back. Hey man, forgot to follow up and say I'm all good. Super solid. No booze involved. In booze. No booze involved at all. Just wanted to say I love you, and I appreciate everything you've done for me. That comes in at 1.01 a.m. 
So, don't be afraid to change people's lives. It starts with, hey man, can I talk to you? And after they say, sure, the next line is this. You know there's not a thing wrong with you, right? You know that what you're going through is absolutely normal for what you've been through. And there's not a motherfucking thing wrong with you. You know that, right? And then you'll have their attention. Are you a therapist? Therapists don't say the F word this much, do they? Uh, no, they really don't. That's because I'm not a therapist. There you have it. All right. So let me fake like I'm ending the show and I'll be right back. Hey, have a great day. Go change somebody's life. I am out.